0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Back in the day, there was this little club called Stronghold out in Venice Beach. And a bunch of us, singer-songwriter types and wayward L.A. type spirits, some kind of attractive ones, to be honest, would all hang out there and play music deep into the night. It was a speakeasy. There was scandalous behavior going on and also a lot of just great behavior, spiritual stuff. Many great musical artists would play there and uh, all deep into the night. And uh, it, it was, I think, over a close clothing shop that makes really incredible denim stronghold Venice Beach uh my next guest was one of those guys singer songwriter and guitarist Shane Alexander known for his intimate tenor signature guitar style and moody melodies Los Angeles based solo artist Shane Alexander has shaped a distinctive career for himself with his evocative indie folk and soaring acoustic rock having extensively toured the U.S Europe and Canada since 2005. Both as a headliner and supporting acts like Bonavir, Lucinda Williams, Seal, Jewel, John Hyatt. The list goes on and on. Suzanne Vega sticks. And yes, even yes. Wow. Uh, he's with us now. Shane, thanks for coming on. How are you?
2: Hey, brother. It's great to see you. Thanks for having.
1: We're great to see you too. What about those stronghold days, man? That was a a magical moment, man. Uh, that in <laughs> those times when they when they disappear when you get on the other side of it. You're like, wow! I should have liked that more. I liked it a lot when I was there, but then when it's not there, you're like, oh, that was life happening in in like Technicolor.
2: It was a really special and storied time, absolutely. You know, and I I felt lucky to be in that circle and as sort of someone from the part of the Soto Hotel Cafe scene. I And then I, I sort of stumbled into the Venice scene through my friend, Chris Leterzo. He walked me over there one night. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on over here? This is so hip. I kept it to myself. I didn't tell a lot of people in Hollywood about it because it was so diverse over there. It wasn't really singer songwritery. It was just anything gozy, you know. And so I remember one night it was the only gig in Los Angeles where, like, do you want to play at midnight on a Monday or whatever? You're like, sure. And I I did a gig with Ozo Motley there one night and I walked up the stairs, the place was completely packed. And I thought, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to do a solo show here. And like, they were completely crushing it. And then after about an hour of performing, it just got completely quiet. Everybody sat on the floor and I did like an hour show. And then Ozo got back up. You know, I always say that place, you know, there were dogs, there were boobs, there were homeless. And everything just sort of went, but it was uh, really a celebration of artists, which was the sort of common thread. And obviously our hosts were a wild wild pair, Um, but they were very, very good to me. So, uh, you know, Mike and Shannon, I can always say they were very good to me.
1: me too man i i have nothing but love for him i i know yeah. maybe there's controversial figures there <laughs> or something i know i I like i heard inklings of stories or, and honestly i don't know any stories of, I'm of not, course. like hinting at some kind of like drama or something but i i do remember there being you know with those situations like human beings getting together like that and you know i mean you know people imbibe substances let's put it that way that happens in those kind of situations I mean it happens in in legit circumstances but so when they're sort of uh speakeasy I mean it's the whole speakeasy culture I mean it's interesting it's almost like a foreshadowing of of COVID era in a way where where people had to kind of do things outside of the lines of uh city uh organization
2: right (laughs) It was patently lawless but you know i remember one night jackson brown was playing there i think one of his first performances there and yeah people would just get on stage and start dancing or whatever and he was kind of looking around the stage sort of like what's happening and the answer is like it's the stronghold anything goes you know
1: (laughs) yeah rami rami played with me from the foo fighters i remember he brought me there into that scene And we played a gig and all and I had, I think, Brendan Buckley, the drummer for uh, Pink on drums. I mean, it, it was nuts and 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 nobody knew any of my songs and I would just go through my songs and these guys were so good that it seemed like we had rehearsed for like a stadium tour. It was like insane the level of music that was getting played there.
2: That, that's right. And I, I think the last time I saw you was at Rami's, Rami, one of Rami's parties that you were painting and performing at, at the Phonogenic. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great night as well. He's a very special Los Angeles institution
1: he really is man he's uh um my sister cut his hair he liked my hair he was like who cuts your hair i said my sister does so then every time he went through new york he would get my sister to cut his hair my sister's not a hairstylist at all
2: <laughs> like, like, that's, awesome. that's awesome yeah
1: dude he's in the foo fighters he's getting a, a girl from brooklyn who's not a hairstylist to cut his hair <laughs> it was like pretty funny man and and he is a a magical character for sure and uh I mean played with everybody just such an amazing organist and and keyboard player and just spirit spirit you know
2: absolutely he's he's a very sweet and selfless rock star that's exactly what he is he's a proper rock star and just the sweetest humblest cat in the the room
1: yeah absolutely um Mm -hmm. So, what's it like for you now, there, man? What? Tell me about how LA's transforming and how it's transformed. How did you deal with um, all the COVID madness?
2: Well, it was a it was a heavy time, man. You know, um, in in 2015, I built a recording studio here. Uh, we put a big addition onto my home uh, with the plan to produce my own records and others. And obviously it was a massive expense. It was like we bought a second house and put it on my house. And so just as things were starting to like get up and running, you know, it's just like was tumbleweeds. And I think all of my artist friends were sort of recoiling in horror that we can't tour. People aren't buying physical records and things like they were. So it was really sort of a time of really slowing down and recalibrating, uh, you know, to this new situation and that those first months, um, were pretty weird and scary and but for me my, my daughter was she was in middle school and she was on zoom and she was finishing at ten forty in the morning and so i just spent a ton of time with my kid i read 25 books i was playing all the time but i wasn't writing a lot and then um you know uh when george floyd passed i wrote a song about that that i felt really strongly about which put a little pep in my step and then over the summer, my friend Ted Russell camp asked me to write with him remotely. And initially I was against that concept because I get, again, I'd put so much effort into building a vibey special place to do things in person, of course. But we wrote the first time, actually I had my phone on a mic stand and we wrote a song and nobody died. And um, I thought that wasn't so bad. And so I eventually, uh, he, he and I were we started to do it every week. And then eventually I made it five days a week. I was doing zoom writing sessions with friends and strangers all over the world uh, for many months. And so my only, in each one of those sessions, I went into it with one purpose of like writing a song uh, that they're excited about and, and to like, to leave them better than I found them, you know, because I knew everybody was depressed. People, you know, I'm writing with people 20 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, you know, professionals, people that are newer. And I just, I was just trying to like, again, leave everybody better than I found them. And in doing so, I learned a few things one that as a writer you know i used to think oh man i've got to wait for the spirits to arise or whatever and i'd never really written this way where i was so dead, you know purposeful and i learned just by virtue of showing up like the odds are much greater um and i i you know i, I think out of all those sessions there was only one that didn't really bear fruit and it was just my buddy I won't mention his last name, Jeff, um, but he was just really stoned and I just think he just wasn't in the zone, but he's an amazing artist. But other than that, I I think I wrote 85 songs with people around the world. And so throughout those months, you know, I always say buds started to come back on the tree, you know, it's like as things started to open up, I ended up producing some of those artists and, and just, you know, we sort of encouraged each other through it. And then as we started to poke out the other side you know, there was just this ocean of creativity that came out of this heavy thing that I thought was very beautiful, you know? Um, so, uh, grateful for the lessons learned, uh, you know, creatively and in terms of work ethic and things like that too, you know, I, I entered into like what has been my most creative boon of my life and it's knock on wood, it's still going really, really strong.
1: You discovered the secret, man. Th- th- it reminds me of, uh, not the art of war but the war of art you know that book stephen pressfield i think or stephen pinkerton or some stephen p you know that book
2: i'm writing i'm i'm writing it down okay the war of art
1: okay yeah the war of art i should look that up oh i have my phone on airplane mode so it doesn't make annoying internet sounds over the broadcast but anyway um the war of art it's it's all about uh, what you just said being a professional and that means showing up every day like it's a job i mean it's an andy warhol thing you know andy warhol was always like songwriters are so lazy songwriters should write 10 songs a day why do they write 10 songs every year And that's when people wrote you know an album a year and that's even slowed down it's so true man if you just go for it if you get into that flow into that zone but there's so many things that sort of hinder that like that can come from society that you can you know you can you're you're enduring you're dealing with your own self-esteem issues you're dealing with all kinds of weird psychological hang-ups and and just to get to that place of being able to focus and keep that focus alive is that, how do you do that i mean i i guess you it's a momentum that you catch right
2: yeah you know and and i also think there is a spiritual component to it you know um i, I i'm a buddhist i've been practicing buddhism for 26 years and so another thing i thought You know, Cat Stevens is another one of my spirit animals, you know. He puts so much spirituality behind his music, so much love behind his music, and really using the microphone for good. And I think that also, you know, sort of helps light a fire under my butt, you know, to like go out into the world and and just try to keep it pure. And also, you know, as I've sort of gotten my groove on as a producer – um in terms of mentoring artists like you were talking about you know the self-esteem thing so many things that are that are so hard that want to screw with the muse but if you can get to this place where you really just only want to serve the music you know again Neil Young was always a big inspiration too because like if he if he was on a tour with stills and not feeling it he would make a right turn and bounce or if the band wasn't feeling right he would make a hard decision and bounce and just always was fighting to like keep the thing honest you know and so for me as an independent i've had a number of record deals but i always like licensed records that i made myself and so i've been very free to create in the kitchen without a bunch of overlords messing with the stew you know and so in that regard i feel extremely blessed to like just still be making the art that i make i never begrudge the success that i don't have i'm grateful for people that show up for me and to be doing this at my age and running you know i've been touring internationally 18 years as an independent you know which is not minor and it's not for the faint of heart but uh the rewards are magnificent and i have so many meaningful relationships all over the place you know i just feel super blessed and so i want to just keep that going and i want to people that continually see me out year after year but be really stoked that they came back you know that i really put in the effort to deliver something meaningful you know i want to do a good job you know, and so That's I, it awesome. just happens. Yeah.
3: So
1: when you're doing the writing sessions, when they sort of picked up steam and you were doing it five days a week, mm-hmm. did you put yeah. out a call on social media like, "Hey, if you want to write with me, here's what you got to do." I mean, or was it all just sort of inside business people, or did you just open it up and charge people, I, or how did that work? Oh no,
2: no, yeah, no. Uh, I I kind of I, I threw out some texts to, to some of my friends. Uh, you know, I've been with Warner Chapel in europe for about maybe 10 12 years they threw me a few that ended up being super meaningful including an artist named senia Sargent from montreal that was in holland she had been on the voice of holland and um they asked me to write with her and on our first zoom i'm like oh you're a unicorn like your voice is crazy good and super hip and and so we wrote a song the day we met um uh, called Still Dreaming of You. And by our second Zoom, she asked me to produce her. So I actually produced her EP remotely. I had my band here and I was able to produce her vocals remotely with a friend who is an engineer in Amsterdam. And, um, and so uh, he was using audio movers so I could hear the session in real time. She and I were on Zoom so I could give feedback. And then he sent me the file. So we made a record together before I ever met her in person. Um, And then I went over last fall uh, and we rented out Bittersuit in Amsterdam and had a record release show. I opened and was her band leader and played electric guitar with her. And it was super special. Um, So a lot of I mean, one or two people were fans that, you know, I mentioned I did it and they reached out. And, you know, again, I didn't go into it with any gain in mind other than like to write a great song that stands up with one instrument and a vocal and and to leave them better than I found them. You know and and just again by virtue of doing that just so much good shit came out of it and um some people i would written with in the past already some were people i met you know whatever however um and some again came through my publishers just a lot of ways um and ones that were we had real good kismet with we just like shit dude let's do it next week or let's do another one and so it just really built on itself but again you know, the, I, I i had completely narrowed it down to three pieces of paper, a sharpened pencil, my favorite incense and opening the windows, you know, literally, really? you know, and, and uh, just like I thought of it as like putting the flag up on the mailbox. And so, you know, and, and again, some people do it all the time. Some people I was there, I was there first, you know, <laughs> so I felt a big responsibility to have it be a painless experience. You know, but like the first hour, we would just like literally shoot the shit and I'm taking notes. If so they're talking about their hometown or their friend that got run over by a train or whatever. You know, I'm just like, suddenly I, got, I got one page of stuff and a couple of cool words that go together or maybe a North Star for a song idea. Sometimes they would come in with a nugget. Sometimes I would come in with a nugget. But more often than not, we went from like zero to, you know, something standing up with a voice recording before we got off.
1: And you said something interesting. You, your, your main sort of uh, agenda was to get a song that could stand up with one instrument and one voice. That's I, I know what that means a lot because I'm a harmony freak. I put harmonies, and sometimes I challenge myself like, hey, man, can you do this chorus without a harmony? You know what I mean? Can you not lean <laughs> right, right. on a harmony, dude? Can Can the right. chorus stand up? Talk about that a little bit. Like, How do you make sure a song stands with one voice and one instrument?
2: Well, you know, having the, you know, the, I I wouldn't dare call it a curse, but been blessed to be on a lot of big tours as an opening act. You know, again, you're alone in a theater or amphitheater or whatever, like you, there's nothing else to fall back on. So it's got to be melody and story, you know. And so I always say, you know, like we can as a producer, like we can dress this house up any way, but you can't build it. You know, if there's no foundation, there's no foundation. So it should I think a song should completely fly with either a piano and a vocal or a guitar and a vocal. You know, everything else is is gravy on top of that, you know, and that's and that's helps you just sort of really to boil it down to its essence, you know, and that's always what I'm shooting for is something like like a forever melody and and a story that's clear and things like that, you know.
1: Well, we're gonna listen to some of Shane's forever melodies right after these words on TNT. TNT Radio's Rick
0: Munn. I'm looking also at South Africa in terms of uh, ESCOM, which is a company that we have talked about a lot here. That's the South African electricity provider. SCOM has posted a massive 24 billion rand loss for 2022-2023 financial year, exacerbated by a huge escalation in load shedding, which is basically blackouts, for want of a better expression municipal debt and skyrocketing losses due to criminal activity. That's both within the company, I would say, and outside of the company. The group presented its first full-year financials for the 12 months ending 31st of March on Tuesday. It said the year was characterized by a significant deterioration of performance, including a steep decline in energy availability of 56%, down from 62%. So half the country are having difficulty getting any electricity at all, and most places are under Going what's called uh, load shedding, which means for up to 10 hours per day, you could be disconnected from the electricity supply in South Africa.
3: Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
4: When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement. It's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages.
0: That's massive. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live.
4: Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And
2: I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT.
1: So we're back. Here we are with Shane Alexander. Um, So, Shane what uh what where are you going now though what's going on now so we were talking about through the COVID area you became a zoom songwriting champion and then what's (laughs) going on now what's the what's the situation with what you're doing
2: well over the last couple years kind of as we've weaned out of COVID, i've been producing records like mad i I mentioned Senya's record um i've done another maybe six or seven in the last year and a half which has kept me extremely busy and also my eighth solo record is recorded and we're mixing that as we speak so in the new year i'll be starting to throw out singles from that sucker and you know i'll probably tour the west first then the east coast and then go back to europe again just got back on tuesday from holland and germany
1: and how do you push your music out there nowadays? I mean, are you active on TikTok and Instagram? Do you pro? Do you p- like put up whole songs? Do you put up little clips? I find it kind of annoying that oh, you know y- you have to just put thirty seconds out, or y- if you want to get real long, sixty seconds. You sh- you can't put the whole song out, even though sometimes I do just because yeah, I, I, I like it. But what do you do yeah. with that?
2: You know, I haven't gotten too deep into the TikTok thing, man, although I have people up my butt all the time to do so. You know, again, like you said, the same thing as an art form, it's just it's really gross that everything is reduced to these tiny, tiny clips, you know, visually or audio, you know, it's just like you're trying to create a space and just by like getting the shortest, bestest clip of the last chorus doesn't always, you know, express what you're trying to express. Um, I am pretty active on Instagram, you know, uh, when I'm on the road and stuff like that. I really like just the stories. I I try to work hard to make those compelling. And I'm very, I interact with people there quite a bit. And I I do a lot of live streams from my studio on Instagram and I do them late at night so that my Europeans, you know, are having coffee with me. Um, You know, I think there's a million ways to skin the cat. The main thing is just keeping the standard high, you know, um, with all the artists that I work with, You know, I always boil it down to don't suck, don't quit and make friends, you know, but in terms of promoting ourselves, that part is an unfortunate but super necessary part of the deal. You know, when I first started really poking my head out, you know, around 2006... You know uh tom wally came around from warner brothers and you know he, he he really liked my record and he just said something sort of derogatory about my banter or something like that and that was a really like a catalyst moment because like my, my banter is awesome <laughs> and i'm like i believe in my shit. i'm gonna go be independent now and reap the rewards you know and so I I had worked for Irving Azoff for 10 years. So I was in like the center of the universe of big artists for a long time in a job that I referred to as like pack mule to the stars. So I was at all the Eagles homes for years and years and Christina and Gavin and Gwen and I can name drop to the ends of the earth, but I was around all these people. And my main takeaway was like have the major label aesthetic on the Indie dime, you know, and, and team building and things like that. And so you know around that time my first tour with jewel which was extremely lucrative as an independent you know and also heartening to go out into a room of one to three thousand people that were strangers and have them all waiting to meet me after and sell hundreds of cds that i made myself you know it was sort of the carrot that i've been chasing ever since you know knowing that it can actually work <laughs> and then i can hold it down you know it oh, was very man, very I've encouraging
1: ch- i'm chasing that same carrot dude i've had some experiences like that myself opening up for rem and then like you just going great and then selling like like you say hundreds of cds afterwards of course when that when then when that's not happening you're like wait why is this not happening anymore yeah
2: but you know but i i should say uh while people are listening you know i'm such a fan of you and also we talked earlier about you know output and things like that shortly after i became aware of your music i was in new york with a friend my buddy brent and we went to your gallery you know right it was, it was momar right yeah uh, museum and, uh, of modern
1: Art. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right yeah. in in
2: brooklyn yeah and we you know and we were we went in there i have a t-shirt downstairs that you made but uh it, there was art everywhere and the woman working there's like this is like his this this week you know like you had created so much shit in such a short amount of time i'm like man that dude you know so again (laughs) i have tremendous respect because and another thing about your music coming along at that point was you know as a singer songwriter you know I I hate labels and you know folk if or or, you know folk can be a box or alternative or indie or Americana you know if you're not completely down that lane then you're not and I've always been too indie for mainstream or too mainstream for indie or too folk for rock or too rock for folk or whatever but you know with you I was Mm -hmm. like this is just an artist. You know, again, like a Bowie and a Lennon and a Lou and a whatever. And that's what I aspire to, too. I, I don't give a shit about genre. I just want to honor the music that comes out. I think it's a gift when it happens. And so some of my records are more kind of trippy and whatever jammy and some are more stripped and you know at the end of the day i travel with an assault with an acoustic guitar just because i can make a living that way but in terms of producing and the music that comes out of me my influences are all over the road and and so again i have a lot of respect for you and and again having had those high highs and lower lows that are to be an artist you know if you don't live it, it doesn't come out your horn, you know. And again, you were in the New York scene for a long, long time. And, you know, I always thought that really showed in your art. And, you know, again, it's it, just by virtue of sticking around, you know, you've already won. And, you know, I, I think the same of myself. We're really blessed to be professional artists. It's very hard. Um, but, you know, you have a high standard and and you have a signature voice with both music and art you know and so yeah total
1: respect yeah i appreciate that man and right back at you um full respect right back at you and i really appreciate you saying that um like what you said is don't suck uh make friends and don't quit the don't quit part is is really huge because uh, in a career as an artist you're going to suck sometimes probably and even even if you're not trying to, and you're also probably going to fail at making friends sometimes, but, yeah. and you might even quit here and there, just as long as you don't quit for real, like, you know, right, like you can right. quit for a day, but you can't quit for a year. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's like, you just got to keep going. So I, I'm, I'm surprised he you worked for Irving Azoff. That's interesting. I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole, but I want to play one of your songs. Let's play. I will die alone. Tell me about this one.
2: Uh, this song I wrote with my dear friend Jesse Pao, who you might have even met. I met her at Stronghold, actually. She's a complete dynamo, um, has many different uh, uh, artist projects and stuff like that. Um, we met at Stronghold. She was one of my first co-writes years ago. And we, we wrote this the day we met sort of with her in mind um but when we wrote it as soon as we wrote it i'm like man this song is bigger than both of us you know and and so i i I remember when we sat down this is our first session together i'm like what's a good key for you and she's like a minor and i just the fact that she said minor i thought oh that's fun you know and so i started with the riff and and we were just kind of throwing this thing back and forth and i always remember like I, I i she was humming something i'm like did you say i will die alone i was like that's like the most badass thing for a cute little chick to say you know like the proverbial girl walking away from the thing and throwing the match over and it blows up and she's looking at the camera kind of thing you know and so anyway this song happened very quickly and when we were done with it we were both like holy crap, this song is great. So it's it served both of us. And, you know, you can find her version too. But I, I was just in Holland and my last concert over there, two men that were fans of mine found each other and they both told me, they both have it in their wills that this song will be played at their funeral, which I thought was pretty dark, but also a big honor, you know. But so she did her version and I was going sort of a Morricone and this was uh, from my album Bliss, which was actually the first full album that I self-produced uh, here at my place.
1: All right, this is Shane Alexander with I Will Die Alone.
3: A little boy in baby blue Dancing in my mama's room my still here singing to me She sang her life, sang a love Everything I would become How I'd meet the woman of my dreams I was born a desert fire Driven by my one desire Traded all I had for the greater No, a bleeding heart I don't possess and When I'm finally laid to rest I will die alone I left the church, took a stand Left everything they had planned I heard the devil call out to me no diamond ring, no wedding band. The love I slipped through my hands, and I will never be free. I was born of desert fire, driven by my one desire. I traded all I had for the great unknown. A bleeding heart I don't possess. When I'm finally laid to rest, I will die, you Yes, I will die die
1: Alexander with i will die alone what a song that is man wow beautiful marconi like you said definitely and just uh yeah that's like who can't relate to that right
2: thanks thanks yeah
1: yeah trading everything you have for the great unknown isn't that isn't, isn't that the uh, the crux of life especially the, the, the artist the, the, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah the artist way <laughs> the yeah, war of art but, yeah. Yeah.
1: the war of art yeah there it is right there it's like uh oh man the human condition i mean the vocal sounds <laughs> crazy good too i mean just the quality your your vocal your uh the singing is really immaculate on it but also the the tone the vocal tone and what are you, what are you using with that what mic and what sort of outboard gear <laughs> do you remember yeah, that's
2: funny um yeah i do uh, uh on that record man i uh now my stuff is my studio is much more outfitted at, at that point I had a, a a blue bottle rocket stage 2 a smaller tube microphone and I used it for like guitars and vocals on that record and that record for the most part I kind of did it backwards where I did my guitar and vocals first and then did pretty much everything after um you know pretty much all the projects I've done since you know when I I get the band in we'll do a scratch but to get the guys and have like a scratch lead vocal and things like that and generally I'm I lean on a U87 for the most part now I've got a cool old ribbon that I use and and I've got the SM7 uh older one that I use quite a bit too but the U87 it's been my tried and true but on that record I used that blue uh and it worked out pretty well
1: yeah it sounds great I mean it's interesting getting the right vocal tone is 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 really something you know with eqs and and compression and making sure it's not too sharp you know
2: and also on that on that project uh, yeah i was actually going double tube i had a a tube microphone into a tube preamp. the demeter uh jim demeter you know is a west coast guy that's great and years ago i learned that henley was using that preamp and so uh, that was
1: like a neve copy kind of thing right but that's really high like you get all these boutique outboard gear people so uh, uh neve is like what the beatles used and all that like that old tube stuff <clears throat> and then you get these like sort of boutique companies like demeter that make neve sort of uh you know sort of replicas yeah up,
2: yeah you know. so yeah the gear thing is a whole another you know rabbit hole and particularly to have a studio that that I'm producing other artists and i'm competing with other studios you know, so much of the money I've made in recent years had to go back into this place. But now, you know, I'm 24 tracks and I can do a full band here. And, you know, uh, there's a drum set here and lots of keyboard options and guitar options. And, you know, it's it's really nice. And it is like, you know, we just talked about your synthesizer there. It's it's really, you know, there's plugins for everything, but there is no substitute for hands on real instruments that have their own sounds and smells and stuff like that. When you fire them up, you know, it's really uh, inspiring
1: yeah, well, like this moog one you're talking about. I mean, it's their sort of flagship keyboard. Yeah. And so just every time i every time I turn it on and put an overdub, I ba- basically whatever sound it's on is perfect. you know, it's like right. right. It's so easy when you when you have to do it like that. what do you what do you think of this time in in our world in terms of like, art have you thought about writing any music that sort of comments on the times we're in the the wars we're in you said you you wrote a George Floyd song what do you think the yeah. role of artist is in this day and age
2: um well uh you know i i do think our, it's our job to react to it and speak to it and at the same time you know uh, as you often do to 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 incite dialogue rather than violence you know um again like, we are in this age where we're being fed things to, to turn on, you know, brother on brother. I, I literally just watched uh, The Omen with my daughter the other night, you know, and the Bible verse in there about, you know, he, he will emerge from politics and turn brother against brother until there's brother no more. I'm horribly paraphrasing, but, you know, I'm like, man, that's chilling stuff. It was chilling then, it's chilling now, you know. Um, so, again, like, I, get, I mentioned Cat Stevens, you know, I, I do think, It's to try to put some some truth out there and some beauty out there. And at the same time, you know, try to uh, lower the temperature in the room to some degree and, you know, just like promote peace. Um, You know, I I was just uh, I was literally just in front of the Amsterdam Hilton the other day. Um, I have this wonderful friend and fan that I met on my very first trip over 18 years ago. And he was driving me around and. And I've been over there so many times, but I'd never been in front of the Amsterdam Hilton. It was totally raining. And um, I'm like, oh shit, the Beatles song came out today. So we sat in the car in front of the Amsterdam Hilton and put on the new Beatles song, you know, these mournful verses of John Lennon from the beyond, you know, and I had a really weighty moment with that, you know, and for all of his cynicism and things like that, you know, he did speak to a lot of of that, uh, you know, uh, of these weighty things and, and I really try to, you know, I have a lot of songs where I talk about these things, including the second song I gave you, um, that was, you know, uh, I wrote. Um, I don't, I don't know how when we're going to put this in the sh- in the show, this next song, but the, the the other song I gave you, "I'll Be Here," I wrote. Um, Instantly, um, it was the morning after the massive shooting in Vegas and uh, Jim Nelson, who you might know, was a DJ at 88.5 in L.A. and a friend of mine. And we were texting each other and his son had been at that concert. His son is fine. But as a dad, he spent the whole night not knowing if his son was okay. And he was in this audience where like 500 people got shot, you know? And so my girls were, my wife's a a teacher and my kid was at school and they were getting ready for school and coming out and I'm watching the TV and texting with him. And I just told everybody, you know, don't talk to me. I, I I got a song coming in. And so this song I I wrote right then and there, and for the first time in my life, I I wrote the song, I recorded the song, I performed the song that night, and I released it that week just because, again, I thought that's what Neil Young would do. You know, when he, he wrote Ohio, same thing, he had like fire in the belly and got the guys together and they put that shit out quick. And, you know, to your point, that's like, you know, using art you know uh, as a reaction to cult popular culture and things that we see and and so again you know the the impetus of that song was you know i'll be here for you when the world is too heavy and you can't move you know because it is often so terribly heavy i mean years ago i was on tour by myself in the south and when the Virginia Tech shooting happened. And I remember hearing that on the radio playing out live when, you know, school shootings were a much stranger occurrence, you know? And I thought, oh my God, how horrible, terrifying, you know? And I just remember being riveted listening to the radio. And I wrote a song about it years ago um, that actually I'm gonna put on my, my, the record after my new record and it's called we need one another but again just like you know the the buddhist concept of, of turning poison into medicine taking these heavy things and and searching for a positive you know searching for a lesson searching for some way we can be better you know i i always think that's part of our job as well you know
1: well said, man. And we'll listen to it right at the other side of this break. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once
4: again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter if you want to call CO2 polluting. It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. What, What kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're gonna sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy, John Kerry, bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3-5% to of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much Ado About Nothing. They weaponized weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe starting asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I need to go get my rabies shots.
3: As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans latoya lucas may your victories inspire many more support more victories for veterans go to dav.org you're with joseph arthur and his technicolor dreamcast on today's news talk radio tnt
1: and we're back with shane alexander and now we're going to play i'll be here this was written uh, in response to the shooting in vegas Uh, here we go shane alexander i'll be here
5: There ain't always a reason for the evil that men do When hatred fast as lightning brings the end of what we knew The end of what we knew And a fruitless search will follow A crushing quest for clues To make sense of all that's happened is The hardest thing to do The hardest thing to do I'll be here for you When the world's too heavy And you can't move I'll be here On a big blue rock that's spinning In a circle lost in space We're all in this together Every faith in them we raise And if God is up there watching He's got tears welled in his eyes Thinking how clueless have happened Why can't they just be kind? Why can't they all be kind? Bye. Protect our sons and daughters and the evil may face We all must stand together, every faith and every race We all must come together, every faith and every race
1: Here for you, Shane Alexander. That sounds really beautiful. Uh, it seems like it's an open tuning kind of song, right?
2: Yeah, um, that one is in uh, like the the Neil Young C modal tuning. I, I discovered that uh, some years ago. Um, I have a song called Skyway Driving that's done well for me, and that was the first one where I used his tuning. So from low to high, um, every other string is a C. So C down to C A. C, G, C, E. So B goes up a half step to C. So you got three Cs, um, and so once you have a tuning that's that far from home, it's nice to have a few more songs there. So logistically, if you've got a guitar, you know, in that, so now I have like four songs in that tuning or or open C, which is one string away. Yeah.
1: Well, prepare for a text from me saying, "What was that tuning again, dude?" Because I got gotcha, uh, gotcha. you. I got you. Text me that. I want to. Yep. I want to try it now. When Get you go sun. tour, and beautiful song by the way, really, really pretty, and and just the whole uh, questioning of, of where God is and all this, and and uh, if His eyes are welling up with tears um, and whatnot. It's interesting because, um, you know. Well, you you say you're a Buddhist and I, I don't like, I identify as a Christian, but there's, but I also sit in silence a lot every day. And I, I consider that sort of meditation or whatever, like a, a prayer, yeah. but for, for me, I'm seeking God. I guess a Buddhist isn't seeking God that like there it's, is Buddhism there's, it's not really a God-based religion more. It's more like getting <laughs> yeah. right. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, and I was raised Christian, and I'm totally good with Jesus, and you know, years ago when I was first starting my practice, I was telling a friend about it, and he was, you know, deathly afraid to even think about such things would go straight to hell, and I was talking to this Buddhist elder named Danny Nagashima, who is just like the hippest cat in the world, you know, he just like lights up the room. And I said, you know, I was telling a, a friend about this practice and, you know, he was really hung up on it. And he said, have him have him chant to be a better Christian, you know, and um, <laughs> the main the, the main appeal to this practice to me is 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 about the idea of of sort of because, you know, the, 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 the there's many sects of Buddhism, but I practice what's called in Buddhism and we chant this, you know, a uh, we chant Rengekyo, which, which uh, loosely translates to devotion to the mystic law of cause and effect. So the idea is that there's sort of this universal vibration that by tapping into it, you know, we, we attract fortune and, and we sort of repel negative things and we can, you know, bring forth a sustainably, uh, uh happy life and so again this concept of coast and rufu is, is like world peace through individual human revolution so the main thing that i find about it is it's so humanistic it's the thing that i see as most humanistic um, you know uh, you know it's it's pacifist and you know the p- politics and faith things are always terrifying to me and, and so this has just been the most humanistic thing that I've come across. And also it's not this thing about beseeching someone outside yourself. It's about trying to tap into your greatest potential. So the concept of a Buddha is just an ordinary person that's awakened, you know? So not only mm. their own true potential but their connectedness to those around them. And so again, this concept of, of, of Kosan Rufu, world peace. So you know world peace through inner human revolution so for me i sort of see that again as a singer you know i want to sing for world peace doesn't mean i'm beating people over the head about it but you know in my things that i say on stage or my interactions on the road uh, again i'm trying to like raise the vibration around me and Turn down the temperature around me, because I think so many times if we're fired up on things that we see on television or whatever, you know, that's why, you know, there's people that lashing out against Jewish people or Palestinians or whatever. It's not because they feel that way. It's because they just they're reacting to something that they just read or whatever, you know, and it's just like if we just start to see, you know, that everyone we're, we're all human beings, you know, every life is just as valuable and, and take that out into the field and take that out into commerce and art and all these things. Um, and so, so many times on the road, I have these interactions with people of completely different backgrounds than I, I just met a Turkish man on a platform, train platform in Holland. The other, we ended up jamming on the train and like, I thank God I had sunglasses on. He just started singing, you know, f- I guess in Turkish, but it just instantly teared me up. Like, just, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. You know, just like two guys with instruments on their backs. And we just like started to jam and he's actually quite successful Ekrem. Um, but you know, just like by virtue of being an artist out in the world, you know, you get to rub on lots of different people with lots of different backgrounds. And you know, I remember another really profound thing. I was touring with my friend Christian Steifen, who draws pretty well in Germany, one to three thousand. And he's been a friend and fan of mine for a long time. So when he blew up, he wanted me to go on tour with him. And so the night the big shooting happened uh, with um, Eagles of Death Metal, my my one of my closest friends is their manager, another friend was their front of house. And I was watching this unfold and I didn't know if Brian was with them or not. And I was on a plane in the morning, you know, to Europe and we were playing basically Bataclan style venues, you know, 24 hours later and my wife and kid are coming home and I'm crying because I'm like, I'm afraid Brian is shot and B, I'm on a plane to leave my family tomorrow. And, you know, um, and we were doing a tour of these venues that are essentially one train stop away from Paris, you know? And um, so it was super creepy. And then like the next day I was leaving Berlin and um, I was at a train platform and there was this Middle Eastern man. I don't know where he was from, but, you know, again, in the light of the shooting was two days ago or whatever, you know, this man was there with like five kids and his wife and all this shit on the platform. And and he was, like, overwhelmed. And, like, I helped him load all his shit on the train, you know. And, like, the rest of the ride. It was an ICE. It was a long train. He was across the hall, uh, across the aisle and maybe five seats down. He was looking at me the whole time, just like, with eyes out, like friend, friend, you know, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know? And I just thought so many people, you know, in the light of recent events or whatever, would just see this guy and disregard him. And I just saw him as like a dad with his family, who's having a heavy day with all this shit, you know? And just like mm-hmm. things like that, that's the thing of travel, you know, it's just like, you start to see that everybody's just trying to get home to their family and just like do their thing, man. You know, it just like turn down the gas, you know, use our powers for good, you know, love each other. And and so, I, I do it as an experiment, you know, when I'm in Amsterdam or whatever, I'm in big cities and I'm in an Uber guy, you know, the guy with the earpiece and this furrowed eyebrow, I try to leave him smiling. Bye, you know, and then the mm. next person that gets in the car, they're like, oh, my God, my driver was so cool, you know, and if they got in before me, they're like, oh, my God, my driver was terrified, you know, and by these Love. little exchanges, like we we can like literally create a ripple effect. I see it. And so when I do that, you get that little sort of lump in your throat feeling We're like, wow, that felt good, you know. And so I just I just try to do that more because I just feel like I have so much benefit in my life and so much. You know uh, uh, you know abundance and love and things like that you know i what can i do and it's just like again try to pay it forward and and you know sprinkle a little good stuff around you know
1: right yeah yeah the battle I, I that's so funny that you reminded me of that i mean i i had a, a gun safety expert on and i guess that's the was the biggest public shooting of all time that one Terrific. and, and you're in you, you, Europe you know I've played there I've played that room before in Paris so yeah it's uh it's crazy to think about that but so in the Buddhist thing oh we only have two minutes left I can't believe it because i I because i still didn't get get the vibe of like so there is no god but we're gonna have to do it to be continued like because like yeah i i think the christian thing is very similar it's like i i want to be a raise the vibration but in my belief system i need god to be born within me to do that because if it's my own ego my own ego is like not great like i'm not like it's like so i think that is a, like it'd be interesting to go deep into this and clearly we can't yeah. right now but like the difference between buddhism and christianity at least the way i see it and i'm no expert yeah. of either of them but it's yeah. just because they're similar practices like i i was saying i gotta yeah. get quiet yeah uh, but but i it's it's to invite god in and, and i don't know what the buddhism thing is yeah. but anyway shane alexander tell everybody where to find you
2: uh, Shane Alexander Music uh, it's my website Shane Alexander Music on Instagram and Facebook Shane Alexander on wherever you stream good stuff uh, thanks brother so much for having me it's been a pleasure I, we so, can go all night so but-
1: good. we're gonna do it again we gotta get you yeah. back it was all right. great man I appreciate you songs are beautiful keep doing it and I'll talk to you soon keep listening everybody thanks, we'll be pal. right back